0: What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Team Chat Podcast, a video game show where we talk about games, the ones we love, the ones we hate, and everything in between. I am one of your hosts, Jerry Wilson, joined across the power of the internet by my co-host and best friend, Rachel Mogan. Bonjourno. Bonjourno to you as well. How are you this fine day?
1: I'm doing very well. I actually got my buns out of bed early and oh. my version of early is 8 45 a.m i don't know what <laughs> other people think early is when i got out of bed early and went for a walk downtown and it's a nice beautiful
0: day so. it is a nice day yesterday I'm was a beautiful to day too good start yeah it's a it's been a wonderful weather weekend for sure um which makes it hard to want to stay in and play the, video, the old video games but hey sacrifices must be made you know
1: I mean, I've, I've really never struggled with that personally. <laughs> <laughs> Even on the nicest days, I can stay indoors.
0: Yeah, we were we were productive yesterday. We worked on a little bit of uh, some home improvement projects and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then the afternoon did just beca- become sitting on the couch playing games. So it was it was a great day.
1: When are you go- you and Sam going to come over to my place and rebrick my fireplace for me? I, I don't would know. Like when are you fireplace?
0: going to invite us over to your place to rebrick your fireplace?
1: Je- whenever you've got the bricks <laughs>
0: and the labor available. <laughs>
1: Send me a schedule and I'll pencil you.
0: (laughs) All righty. Well, I'll have my people contact your people. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but new episodes of Teen Chat Podcast come out on 9, uh, Tuesday mornings at 9 a.m. Central Time. And you can listen to those on podcast services around the World Wide Web, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and others. You can also watch a video version of each episode over on our YouTube channel. Links for all that are in the description below. You can find us on social media at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Join our Discord server where we have a lot of great gaming conversation and topics uh, and topics not related to gaming, really, when we're not here recording the show. It's a lot of fun been getting a lot of good action on the old discord lately lots of new people jumping in having, having some fun where are there so people coming from Get hey, out of here. <laughs> you know these, these, these wonderful fans coming coming these to hang out with us fans. and it's, it's been great we're having a good old time over there on the old discord but if you're one to help make the show bigger and better as well you can head over to patreon.com teamchatpodcast chat podcast where for as little as a dollar a month you can support the show and in return we'll give you cool perks like getting the episodes early before their general tuesday release and access to a private channel on our discord server specifically for our patrons, the Rogues Gallery. But if you can't do that, that's no big deal at all. We totally understand. and But would ask that maybe you could help us in other ways, make the show bigger and better, like subscribing on YouTube and podcast services, uh, telling your friends, writing us reviews, all that stuff helps make the show bigger and better as well. And we cannot be more grateful for your support from both our patrons and listeners alike. Heart emojis. Boom, there we go. Big heart uh but before we get into the main stuff of the day we do have to i have a couple or not a couple one bit of housekeeping and that is we are going to be doing extra life 2020 this year and so we're going to be doing it on extra life day which is november 7th that's a saturday first saturday i believe of november but uh so come hang out with us as we'll be streaming for a whopping 24 hours raising money for the Children's Miracle Network Hospitals and all, and all that stuff. So we're going to have a good, good time at gaming. We'll have some friends on the show on as well. Uh, we'll be doing our fifth anniversary live episode of Team Chat. Holy shit. That's we're impressive and amazing. That's so fun. <laughs> So lots of good stuff going to be happening on the day. So come hang out with us as we stream for a good cause on November 7th as part of Extra Life 2020. More details will be coming soon as we get those uh, ironed out and like our posting up creating our team and all that stuff. For anybody who wants to help us uh, join and help us raise the money, we'd love to have you. So, uh, but that was pretty much the only housekeeping I had. And now let's get what's coming out soon and uh, new releases in our moment with Mogan.
1: There is always so much stuff coming out in fall and October is no different. We've got mm-hmm. tons of stuff coming out this week. So on October 20th, just in time for the spook holidays, Amnesia Rebirth is coming out for PlayStation 4 and PC. Uh, Also on the 20th, The Guys for PC. On October 21st, Scourgebringer and it's one word so you know they mean business.
0: Uh, Scourgebringer
1: (laughs) for Xbox One, Switch, and PC. On the 22nd, we have Disc Room for Switch and PC. On the 22nd as well we have Pokemon Sword and Shield Expansion, The Crown Tundra. I actually didn't even realize until just now that another expansion for, or like DLC or whatever you want to call it, uh, for Pokemon Sword and Shield was coming out so I'm a little surprised about that. I haven't really heard anything about it but maybe that's just me because I don't really keep up with the game. Uh, But anyways, The Crown Tundra is coming out for Switch on the 22nd. Also on the 22nd, The Red Lantern for Xbox One, Switch, and PC. On the 23rd, we have Jetboard Joust. I don't know what that is, but it sounds excellent. Uh, That's for PC. We also have Transformers Battlegrounds for PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. And then rounding us out into the beginning of next week, we have uh, on October 27th, Carto. For PlayStation 4, Xbox One and PC, Ghost Runner for PS4, Xbox One and PC, The Legend of Heroes, Trails of Cold Steel 4, which I think this is just a port to PlayStation 4. Mm. Uh, And that's all the games out now and coming soon.
0: Man, that is a solid list. And we're about to get to November with the big releases of the you know, for the next gen releases and all that stuff coming out. So it's gonna be starting to get pretty stacked having to make those yeah. those uh those bold choices as to which games i want to play now and which ones i'm going to have to wait for later
1: yeah, having to do that end of year balancing of the budget, it's always a brutal time, man. I know, I know. it really
0: is. I've, I've you have resorted to sit
1: there and go, Who do I think can buy me which game based on their budget <laughs> <laughs> and send out your Christmas list appropriately? Right,
0: exactly. I actually, uh, in the attempt to try to cap, be able to capitalize on uh, you know, the new, the next gen and everything, since I haven't got one pre ordered yet, well, we went out on the prowl because now restaurants and stuff like that, or restaurants lose use that loosely. As uh, fast food is starting to do uh, the things where you could potentially win an Xbox Series X or a PlayStation Five, and so went out la- yesterday to try to capitalize on this, see if I could potentially pull a win. Went to Taco Bell and went to Burger King. Both places I didn't even I even though it said on like Taco Bell it said order a medium or large drink to get the to try an entry. Ordered a medium drink. It was the wrong cup. Didn't have it on there. So I didn't get oh, it there. No. And then went to Burger King. was like, no big deal. I saw they're doing the PS5 giveaway. Going to try my luck there. Same thing. Not, didn't didn't have an injury form. So I struck you're out completely. Just, my stomach just, and What are you doing, my- <laughs> Barbie? <buddy? laughs> what are you doing with your life?
1: But you know what? That's just a reflection of how desperate people are to try and get their hands on the Xbox. I know whatever the xbox is called and the ps5 i I want want that next Uh, gen sweetness i keep going into our good friend of the podcast Kirok. i keep going into his stream and being like i will find your house and i will get your xbox series x and (laughs) your playstation 5 because he managed to get
0: both he did he was lucky i'm
1: just incredibly jealous i'm Uh, I'm excited to see what he thinks
0: of those yeah,
1: I'm, I'm really excited, too. Uh, there is actually a tiny bit of other, like, just other general news uh, that came out this past week. One of the ones that Jared and I actually forgot to talk about before the episode started, but that I just remembered thanks to our Discord. There's a new update planned for Stardew Valley. That's right! Yeah, there's a big new update planned for Stardew Valley. Um, Concerned Ape, really a modern living saint by all accounts, Mm -hmm. uh, is having Stardew Valley update 1.5 featuring split-screen co-op. That's pretty cool. So before, you know, they added in co-op where you can play online with your friends, uh, but it it wasn't split-screen. It was basically just you were both online separately on the same farm, but you could only really see each other uh, if you were occupying the same physical space. Right. Uh, that will no longer be a problem. Now, one of you can be on the farm and one of you can be in the mines and you can see right next to each other what's going on at at any given time. And I just think that that is a phenomenal update. Uh, And then a bunch of people have pointed out from the screenshots that, you know, they've spied a lot of other interesting new things. Uh, For starters, it appears as though you can now put a farm in a desert landscape as one of the starting options. Uh, People have also spotted out new objects like ginger root, some new plants, beetles on crops, new artisan equipments, new chests, new clothing. Wow. So it looks like the update is going to include more than just the uh, splits for green co-op. But obviously, that is probably going to be the biggest draw of it. So kudos, Concerned Ape.
0: Yeah, that'll be fun to finally get. To
1: make a good game even better.
0: Yeah, because Sam and I have a, a co-op farm that we work on together. But it's also, it's just kind of weird sometimes. You know, you're, we're sitting next to each other playing And it's like we're just holding our respective switches. Sometime I'll dock mine. And so mine will at least be up on the TV. But that would be so much better to be able to have us both up on the TV and be able to play in that way too.
1: And Concerned Ape clearly agrees Mm because
0: he's working on it. Working on it, putting in those hours, putting in that that dedication, those blood, sweat, and tears. We love to see it, you know. Love to see it. (laughs) But uh, the other big news that came out this week is that we did finally get to see a look at the PlayStation 5 UI. And I think it looks really clean. The biggest thing I think that stood out to me that I was most attracted to is that both the built-in in-game hint system and progress tracker. For like mission-based yeah. objectives, I think that's going to be really cool because like they even point out in the video, no longer will you have to skim through websites looking for different walkthroughs that could potentially have spoilers or you know anything like that. It's you know hints and a and progress tracking based specifically to the level and place that you're in. I think that's really cool. Now, the one thing about that is I'm very curious to see how that actually gets implemented in the case yeah. of. Like, are third-party games going to take the time to, like, program in where this stuff is supposed to be? Or is this something we're going to see more only in Sony first-party titles?
1: But Yeah, I'm really you know, curious about that, too. I also, you know, maybe this was in the trailer and I just missed it. I really want to have the ability to turn that off. Because I'm not sure everybody you can. Yeah, I'm sure. I, I would I be really shocked if can. that's,
0: like, if that's, like burned in you can't turn yeah because
1: i i know that it just seems for particular games that are you know really mystery based or the story is really important Mm -hmm. uh even if they say that it's to have to reduce the chance of spoilers through walkthroughs i would just be there's always context clues like you can always figure something out from the hints and from you know the progress trackers so being able to turn those off is a really important feature to me Mm -hmm. that i will really want confirmation of that you can turn it off
0: well it's uh, for me i'm definitely looking at it as in like okay so i'm playing this game i'm gonna want to platinum it but it's you know there's you're like trying to find the 120 collectibles that you need for that one trophy and i'm just kind of like that's where I want. That's where I want the the progress tracker to help me out with, so I know like, okay, I've gotten everything in this level that I could get. Move on, cool. I can go on yeah. with peace of mind. I don't have to you know play through the whole game again. That's just how I feel about it with trophies and the collectibles, especially. But uh, but no, it's pretty cool to finally see that. I really like the look of it. I think it looks really clean, uh, you know, and all that stuff. So exciting to see how it works with the old when you finally get your hands on the old PS Five. Yeah, but now time to move into our main topic of the day which speaking of the ps5 and the xbox series x we're doing another entry into our little mini series on the uh, wrap up of the past generation if you will the best ofs and so today we are doing we're going to focus on our favorite action or adventure games from, or action adventure games from the PS4 and Xbox One. Now, little quick caveat to this before we get onto our lists. We obviously have not played every single game that came out on those systems. So if you may be (laughs) wondering, wait, why is X or Y game, like super popular, amazing game not on your list? It's because either A, we didn't think it was super popular or (laughs) amazing, or B, we didn't play it. So, uh, you know, just take, these are our own personal lists of the games that we were able to play during the last generation. That really stood out to us as the as the best of the best. So, or the best of the action adventure genre. So, Mogan, why don't you kick us off with your first selection?
1: Well, for starters, I just want to kind of clarify that, at least for my thinking, I was just kind of approaching this from the very broad genre of adventure games. Mm. Uh, and in my mind, adventure as a genre is kind of a process of elimination. So when I was thinking of, well, what games would I put on this list? I was thinking, well, it can't be a pure puzzler. It can't be a pure platformer. It can't be, you know, a shooter. It can't be like a Fortnite or a Call of Duty. So in terms of when I was like, what is? What is adventure? It was kind of like, well, what isn't an adventure? Mm -hmm. You know, what do I think doesn't really belong in this category? So that's kind of just a little preview into how I chose my list. Uh, But the first one I picked primarily because I think it's one of the best potentially even the best in its in its particular genre and i think it's such a good example of what a good Pure just adventure game can be because adventuring is just exploring and looking around mm-hmm. and just living your life and doing whatever. Uh, and I picked Firewatch, ah. uh, a game that you have naturally heard me talk about yep. a thousand times because I love it so much. But actually, it's like kind of old by now. <laughs> blows yeah, my mind that was... that the game has actually come out quite a while ago. Uh, Firewatch came out for Windows uh mac ps4 and then way later it came to switch and eventually xbox one but it originally came out in 2016 so it's been oh, four wow. years since man see i came thought
0: out. it was older than that i was gonna put it closer to the to the generation launch like 20 late 2013 early 2014 yeah. oh wow, no not okay. quite
1: so it was kind of a, a mid life lifespan game uh but i don't think that i managed to play it the year that it came out mm-hmm. i think i played it um either a few months or maybe even a full year after that. Because I remember our review of it was in like maybe our first or second year of the podcast.
0: Yeah, it was pretty early on. So
1: it it was pretty early on. Um, And Firewatch has just stuck in my mind for all this time for very good reasons. So for starters, if you've never heard of Firewatch and you don't really know what it's about, and when I said earlier that I think it's the best in its class, that class that I'm talking about is specifically the walking simulator game and you know that i have not a lot of love for the term walking sim mm-hmm. uh it's often used in kind of a derogatory way to describe a game where it feels like you're not doing anything and i just don't think that's accurate i've definitely played games where i was doing more but had less fun and those also involve walking in a lot of cases so mm-hmm. a walking simulator is basically a game where you take on the role of A person, in most cases, usually a person. And then you are often playing through some sort of story. So other contenders that I was thinking of for kind of this same category included Gone Home, which we've also reviewed, uh, and What Remains of Edith Finch. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, I I really thought about doing What Remains of Edith Finch instead, but I kind of changed my mind after I really analyzed both games side by side so well you've Fire always Watch. talked
0: about firewatch so much more too like we both yeah. really enjoyed what remains of edith finch but firewatch has been a game that throughout the history of this show you have consistently come back to because of how exactly. much you like it yeah and didn't you even uh, do delilah I, in uh the our favorite characters of the yes of the generation?
1: i did i sure did so yeah firewatch yeah. i just i can't, can't can't get over it man uh and at some point Maybe the developer, Campo Santo, will actually publish their next game, which they, like,
0: oh, talked yeah. about
1: three years ago or something. Uh, yeah. I think it's called In the Valley of Kings or something Valley of Gods. I think
0: Valley of Gods. Anyways, that right.
1: at some point, they're going to make another game, I really hope. So Campo Santo uh, made this game Firewatch, and it is uh, exactly what it sounds like. You play the role of character Henry, uh, and you are basically kind of blatantly running away um, from your own life and your own responsibilities because you're a middle-aged man and your wife has tragically developed early onset dementia. So she is rapidly deteriorating very quickly. Henry doesn't really know how to deal with it, either emotionally or, you know, realistically and just in daily life. So he kind of abandons her like straight up um, and she winds up going to live with her parents and they're the ones taking care of her. But there's clearly a lot of guilt, a lot of shame on Henry's part about... How do you deal with this kind of thing? But all of that is set up in the very early stages of the game. It's not even something that you play through. It's just kind of, here are your options. Here's what's going on. It's the backstory. Mm -hmm. The game actually starts when you get to your new temporary home, which is the Shoshone National Forest. So Henry is going out into this national forest in the middle of nowhere. Uh, I think kind of near... The Yellowstone area, if I'm not mistaken, it's somewhere like very deep woodsy, very outdoorsy, Mm -hmm. you know, just far away from anything. And the game canonically takes place in the 80s. I think it takes place in the 80s. So, you know, technology really isn't that super advanced at this point. He has a walkie talkie. Uh, And, you know, kind of a GPS, a very basic GPS system, but that's about it. There's Mm -hmm. no cell phones at this point, really. Uh, So it's just you out in the wilderness and you have taken up the voluntary position of a firewatch. So you literally go up into your little tower that is basically just a tiny one room apartment air quotes it's got a cot a little tiny kitchen and your job is to sit there in that tower and literally watch the forest for fires and if a fire happens you report it Mm -hmm. and that's that's the setup now the story really kicks into play when you are greeted via your walkie-talkie by character we all know and love delilah so she's a fellow fire watch in a tower kind of near to yours but really far away like it's a fair hike to Mm -hmm. get to any of the other towers in your area so the game really revolves around you just navigating this forest talking to delilah uh the choices that you make in terms of dialogue are really interesting. And this is actually kind of a feature of the game that I frequently forget about, but but it's really important. I just kind of forget about it because it's done so seamlessly that I kind of forget that it happened. But anytime you're talking to Delilah, Delilah on your walkie talkie, you have options for how you can respond. Those options are on a timer. Mm. So I always thought that it was really interesting that you could choose your dialogue option, and of course that would dictate the flow of the conversation from there. Or you could always choose to say nothing, and your silence would be interpreted as a as a silent response by Delilah. Oh. And she would then adjust her speaking accordingly. So in terms of character development, really that's what the game is all about. It's about living this life of Henry, Figuring out what's going on in the forest because there is a certain element of mystery. It kind of feels like maybe somebody else is out here with you that shouldn't be. You know, there's there's kind of this underlying undercurrent of, is something weird going on in this forest? I feel like there's something weird and bad going on out here. So it's Henry and it's Delilah trying to puzzle out this mystery together without ever seeing each other. They're just in their respective towers. There's a real sense of isolation. And in a lot of cases, even loneliness, because even though uh, you have this other person on the end of the line, it, the game kind of consistently brings you back to what kind of person would take up this job? Mm-hmm. You know, why has Delilah been doing this for 15 years? Why is she out here in this forest all alone? Why is Henry out here? What is it? What are his motivations? So it's really just a carefully structured and very artfully crafted uh, exploration of these two characters that are integral to the story in a wonderful immersive environment. So one of the main reasons that I picked Firewatch as kind of my top walking sim is A, the dialogue system. That's actually fairly unique to Firewatch. Most other walking sims I've played haven't really included this much Exterior character interaction. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also, just the environments themselves. I feel like Firewatch did such a good job of giving you a playing field that actually included just the right amount of exploration because for example with what remains of edith finch and with gone home both of those are extremely contained spaces right both of them actually take place kind of in manor houses and the grounds of manor houses so they are just this is where you can go these are which doors are open there's really not that much that you can choose to do and with Firewatch, that's also kind of the case as well. But when you're get it going from point A to point B out in the forest, there's a lot of different ways that you can take. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, it actually feels very open. It feels like you have a lot of freedom. And there are just nice little side things that you can do just for fun that in most other walking sims I've played are just not options. You know, the, the, the point is to tell a very specific narrative, which is fine. But Firewatch does that too, while also adding more in you can rappel down cliffs you can you know go to geocaches and kind of refill supplies there's just more to do in general and even though a lot of it is kind of fluff more or less it's just fun stuff Mm -hmm. it's fun stuff like that's the point that's the point of games is they're supposed to be fun and engaging and i think firewatch does both very well
0: nice isn't there a thing that i've that i've also kind of seen that like or a fun interaction that you have in that is something when you when you get a turtle i haven't played firewatch yet it's on Turn my Reynolds. list it's, it's on my <laughs> list of, of once. in fact you know it's i have it on my switch right now in like planning i saw to play. it and
1: i was like jared
0: i know i'm i'm, I'm so gearing up for it but like I've, that's what i've always seen like you have these fun little interactions outside of even with your interactions with delilah but with with wildlife itself it's not literally just Walking and like talking through the whole thing, you you do have these interactions um, as well.
1: You can get attacked by a raccoon, which is a a trophy that I still haven't found. Oh, really? Because I don't want—I don't want to look it up. I just know that you can get attacked by a raccoon, and it's one of the reasons I haven't platinumed the game mm-hmm. uh you can get attacked by a raccoon which is a fun little trophy you can also uh find a pet turtle and then you get to choose to name him and one of the name options is Turt reynolds
0: that's amazing ah!
1: <laughs> <It's> so, <laughs> funny. so and and based on kind of the uh choices that you make uh there's this just you know what i'm not gonna i'm not gonna spoil everything okay. i'm just gonna say okay. i'm okay. gonna stop there uh, there's definitely a big mystery kind of at the end. Some people have actually said that the ending is one of the key reasons they don't like the game. Oh, interesting. Uh, Some people feel that it might be a little bit anticlimactic. I'm not going to rehash that because, Jared, I know that you're looking to play it, and I kind of hope that you've forgotten enough of our review by now that maybe you don't remember exactly what happened. I I just
0: know the main beats that you've recited here of of like, yeah, yeah, you're Henry, you're watching for fires, you talk to Delilah, and you walk around in the wilderness a lot. Like, that's, that's That's what I know. So,
1: Really just kind of the only other fluff that I want to add is that there is like a day-night cycle, which I find very fun because at night in the park with just you and your flashlight, there's some creepy stuff out there, man. So it's also kind of a good game to play in fall and in kind of spooky season because it's not scary per se, but there's a little bit of tension. There's suspense. It's a suspenseful game, I'll say. Uh, And I just think that it has done like you said at the beginning, an amazing job of sticking in my brain all this time, mm. prominently. I will frequently think of Firewatch among the first you know, 10 games that I can think of that I really, really loved. It's high up there. Uh, I think it has been on my top 10 games list before. I think it got displaced uh, more recently, but that's just because volume of games, you know right, it goes. Right. Uh, But I still think that it's one of the best in its class, Personally, I think it's the best in its class, Uh, and for the PS4 era, I think it's a fantastic game that everybody should play at least once.
0: Very nice. There you go, everybody. So that's Firewatch for your first list entry into this list. My first one is a game that did actually come out pretty close to the original within the first year of the new generation. It is Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor.
1: Oh my god, really? (laughs) I was right. like,
0: I was going through my lists. I was going through my lists wow. and like going back. It, it holds a place for me. I will say, because it was the very first game I ever platinumed. So it, oh, it like really, okay. like I really connected with the world, really connected with like feeling that sense of, Oh no, I need to see everything that this game has to offer. And no, it hasn't been one that I've necessarily gone back to since then. And I think that the argument could be made. Especially from what you were saying at the beginning of this, that we you think we're going to cross over on one. I think the argument could be made that it might not really deserve to be on this list. But I think just because <laughs> it does, it was my first platinum of this generation, and even of of my gaming in general. I was like, nah, it, it, that sits it on on here because obviously it like attracted me enough and pulled me in enough. The big things about it, though, for those of you who don't know, you play uh, a ranger, Talion, whose family is murdered by the, you know, by the Dark Lord's agents, by Sauron's agents and everything like that. That and then dang you,
1: Sauron. I know, huh?
0: right? He's messing stuff up for everybody. But then you team up with an a dead elf lord, Celebrim, Celebrimbor. I'm saying his name wrong. Celebrimbor. Oh, I can't say it right. Second. Let's just call him Celebrate. Celebrimbor. There we go. There, there, it is. And basically, he in you are killed by the 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 uh, by saron's agents as well. But he brings you back in like this half, oh. uh, like in this alive, but also this like half wraith where you can Ooh. where you can pull in these like super more supernatural abilities. Oh. You can use those abilities to like make or bend orcs to your will, frighten or you know like just make yourself more than just a person, basically. Kind
1: of like what the uh like what the ring wraiths look like when they're in like the spirit realm, yes. right? When it's like yes, they're yes, ghostly yes. forms of the old kings. Mm-hmm.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, so it's okay. kind of like I'm, that. I'm getting- and so you, it, it's really cool cuz you can like if you beat down an orc enough, you can like like grab their face with your with your hand and you like... Can with your make ghost it,
1: hand? Basically, and
0: you just like mind control them and turn them to be on your side where they fight for you and different huh. things like that. So it has a lot of... It presents a lot of cool uh, capabilities of what you can do. But basically, so the, co- the goal of this game is that you're hunting down... You obviously don't go and fight Sauron because, you know, that would go against the movies and everything else. So you are then just hunting down these side these minions of Sauron who who led the initial attack against your family. But what was so great about it is it is totally an open world game and you're getting to explore in all these different areas. But the big thing for me is that it's the first good rated M Lord of the Rings game. You know, it's great to have like like everybody talks about the return of the king PS2 Lord of the Rings game. Fan Fantastic Lord of the Rings game, based all around combat, pulling off these big combos that would reward you with more points to let you do power moves, all this other stuff, and a super fun game. But it's rated T for teen, and so it's you know not saying that disqualifies it as a good game, but being able to move it into the rated M realm obviously grants a a deeper level of grittiness, you know, of combat and just and just more allows you to play a little bit more in a dark storyline. The only previous game in the Lord of the Rings series before that that was rated m was war in the north that i tried playing on the ps3 that Everyone game was that. buggy as hell didn't even finish it because i kept running into bugs i think i restarted it three times and each time would run into a different bug that would stop my progress
1: you know actually i think that's the only reason that i have heard of that game i didn't it's recognize because i have bitched name, about it yeah but i remember you
0: talking <laughs> about the bugs yeah so this is what i mean this game is like it's so good. And one of the big things that it really did pull in that I think also makes it stand out is that it introduced this nemesis system. Basically, there were these like war chiefs of, of orcs who were throughout the world and you would uncover them as you explored more. But the thing is, if you killed one, then their play, they would be replaced by a low. By, like, say you killed a, the highest level one, then that that orc would be replaced by another orc that was a level down. But then that orc could potentially come back and remember that you killed him, how you killed him, and he's like bigger, and he's got got a bone to pick with you. So you could be running. Or if an orc kills you in combat, they'll remember you and be like, "I defeated you before. How are you back?" And it's like this weird. It's this weird like. And when either if they I believe if I remember correctly, if they defeat you, they gain like a higher power, they will move up in the ranks of the orcs, which makes them harder to defeat later on, or they or they will gain like some other special ability or something like that. But it's this really, it was this really interesting thing of these aren't just nameless enemies that you're killing. Like, if they defeat you, they remember you. If you defeat them, or they, or you killed like somebody they were closely the allied to, they remember you and they know you. And so that's just, fun. Yeah, it is really fun, and it's been cool to see that system reintroduced in later games. Like, for example, Assassin's Creed Odyssey has a mercenary system very similar. You are as Cassandra or Alexios are you know, going through ancient Greece and exploring things, but you will, and as a mercenary, you have to compete with other mercenaries and you can find and have other mercenaries hunt you. You can hunt other mercenaries and by defeating them moves you up through the ranks. So it's kind of cool that the, uh, that that system has kind of seen new iterations in other games. But what's also interesting, speaking of Assassin's Creed is that shadow of Mordor has a lot of influences of the Assassin's Creed series specifically in its stealth. So there is a whole lot of being able to vault, walk across tightropes across like, you know, or ropes and, you know, be able to climb towers for better vantage points and jumping down to do like assassin moves. It's so like they, kind. it's kind of like a blending of like Lord of the Rings and Assassin's Creed in a way. And Assassin's Creed series is a series that I hold in very high regard. And I really love Lord of the Rings. So meshing the two together is a match made in heaven. And so I honestly think that's why, um, middle earth shadow of Mordor does hit, in my list of best action adventure from the previous gym,
1: Right on. A solid choice that no one saw coming. No, I, I sure. honestly
0: was like going through my lists of games. Cause I, you know, like I write down every year, which games I played and I was going through and I was like, Oh yeah. Like it, it oh, kind of yeah. had actually like, kind of mi- like escaped from my mind a little bit. And then I saw it in my list. and was like, you know what? That game was fucking good. So that's why I'm going to put it on here. Fair point. So a fair point indeed. So what is your Second pick.
1: My next one, this is one of the ones that I wonder if maybe we have some overlap on, but it sounds like potentially not. You seem to think that we have no overlap, so I'm banking on that then. So my next one is Control. uh, A game that we have obviously talked a lot about Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. our... Review of it is, in my opinion, one of our better episodes. I will agree with that, yes. I thought we did an excellent job with that one. Uh, so Control by Remedy Games. Uh, it came out, what, 2018, 2019? It, it might have
0: been 2019, I think.
1: Oh, my God. Is it that yeah, it was new?
0: Yeah, la- it was just last year.
1: It never feels like. <laughs> well, I mean, 2020 I, has
0: felt like five years, so.
1: I mean, it just, in terms of, like, <laughs> me personally, I feel like I never play games the year that they come out. hmm And I guess
0: we started it earlier this year. Because our review only came out a few months ago, but like still within like a year of release, because the uh, the expansions hadn't even come out yet when we played.
1: Yeah, that's true. I just I I I feel like I only ever play games five years after they come out minimum. So the fact that I played Control within a year of its release is wild to me, and that I actually finished it because I'm a notorious non finisher. Uh, So Control obviously had to make my list. I think it's one of the best games that I've played not maybe the last five years, but within the last three years. I think it pretty easily ranks in that list of top games I've played in recent memory. Mm -hmm. Uh, So to give you an idea of what Control is, it is a third-person... This one really fits into the action-adventure genre. For sure. It is a third-person action-adventure sci-fi game. And I just... You know, you always forget how much you love sci-fi until it's right back in front of your face. Then you're like, Oh my God, I forgot that I love this stuff. Right. And I really wish that I always, had. they can't all be Skyrims. They can't all be medieval times. My Lord, they Mm -hmm. can't all be like that. Sometimes you need a weird action adventure game that is in an awesome sci-fi setting. Well, and not only sci-fi,
0: but supernatural sci-fi, which for me kind of ticks it up up another, another tier even then.
1: Absolutely. Uh, so the premise of Control is that you play as character Jessie, is her name Mick Faden or Faden? Just Faden. Just Faden. I always say McFaden in my head. Uh, so you play as main character, Jessie Faden. And the opening of Control is one of the best parts, not one of the best parts, but it's a really good it's part good. of the game. So it, it sets the scene and the tone of the game immediately and so well. So the scene opens up on a rainy city at night. It's very washed of all color. You know, the buildings are just dim, gray, white, black, very bland, very boring. And the building that you're standing in front of in particular, as the scene kind of pans over the opening of the game, is just a solid... Rectangular, like brutalist architecture brick, just kind of sitting in the middle of the city. It's massive, and you're just looking up at this place, and it's called the Bureau of Control. And Jessie is having this inner monologue as she's, you know, coming upon this building that you quickly start to realize isn't necessarily an inner monologue, it's an inner discussion. She's talking to something, mm-hmm. to someone, and you just don't know what. So she's going into this very mysterious, very spooky building that is empty, for starters. She walks in, there's no one around. It looks like a government building. There's all there's security, but there's just no one there. And she kind of describes this place as it was in front of her nose the whole time and she just couldn't see it. So there's already this aura of mystery of what is the Bureau of Control? Sorry, I'm having to adjust myself. Uh, What is the Bureau of Control? How did it get here? What's Jessie doing here? You get the feeling that she's looking for someone. Uh, I believe she mentions that in kind of her inner discussion. But you're like, okay, so she's looking for somebody. Um, Why would that person be here? Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's um, an amazing blend of... I think I've described it before as like a mix between Twin Peaks and the X-Files Yeah. as far as what the story is kind of about, how weird and wonderful it is. Uh, And the game is you playing as Jesse navigating the Bureau of Control to find your brother. Eventually you realize that she's looking for her brother who disappeared, not disappeared, who was kidnapped years ago when they were children by the Bureau of Control. So uh, the game, and that's not really a spoiler. That's like early game stuff. So sorry about that. But yeah, this will I, I want to say that's even like
0: in her me. opening I think it is too.
1: It's been a while since I played the beginning, but I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, So as Jesse, as you're navigating this Bureau of Control, you eventually become the new director of the Bureau of Control. And that's, again, a very early game thing. So essentially what's happened is the Bureau is under attack by some sort of supernatural, otherworldly, just mysterious force called the Hiss. And it's corrupting people. So the hiss is kind of like a sound. It's a tone. And it corrupts people and forces them to do its bidding. So similar to most other games that have, you know, creepy enemies that just kind of come at you at random, kind of like zombies Mm -hmm. or like the fungus people from The Last of Us. That's really kind of what I would more equate them to is like these weird corrupted beings that were once human and tragically no longer are. And their level of corruption changes based on how long they've been corrupted. So the lowest level hiss creatures, which I can't even really remember what they're called, uh, you know, you kill them right off the bat. Oh, yeah. As director, you have a super awesome gun called the. Uh, it's an object of power. So you have an object of power called. I think that there's isn't there a special name for the gun. It's, it's just the your service, service weapon. weapon. Yeah, the service, service weapon. weapon. Yes, there we go. So you have this object of power that is like an ancient mysterious thing and like no one can really explain it but it's like okay, here's your service weapon. As new director of the bureau, you get to hold this object of power and it can kind of become any weapon you want. Good mm-hmm. luck out there. And it's like, "Okay, sure. Pew pew. Whatever." So the service weapon can indeed become different types of guns. It can be a standard pistol. It can kind of have like a sniper-ish mode. It can have like a a more of a shotgun effect. It can have like a mini submachine gun effect, just depending on what you've unlocked and how you've decided to upgrade it. Uh, So your gun is obviously one of the more important parts of combat, but the real fun of control comes from the more sci-fi supernatural elements of it. Because as the director... Jessie has just these amazing psychic and telekinetic abilities. Mm -hmm. So she can eventually come to levitate. She can obviously move things, you know, just kind of like a force push of a telekinetic blast forward. She can just sort of push things around. She can lift things up in the air. She can uh, even lift people after a little while, I believe is one of the effects that you can do. She can dash back and forth really, really quickly. She gets all sorts of different powers that make the game incredibly fun to play. Oh yeah,
0: the combat so was outstanding were, in that game.
1: The, the combat was really good. There were a few points in the game that I found a little frustrating um, and at times a little tedious, just because you know I'm not a fan of the waves o enemies <laughs> trope. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't usually a problem in control. Uh, In most cases, I felt like it was very organic when and where you encountered enemies. uh, And the bosses that you can fight in the game were really fun and interesting to fight. Uh, Especially some of the optional ones. Those were a really fun time. But the real highlights of Control are the 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 psychic abilities you just feel like such a badass being such able to badass. like levitate and blast things away with your psychic powers it's the best so the psychic abilities are obviously be very very fun but the story uh, is really where control shines for me the story and the acting this is one of the few games that I've played that featured you know really heavy uh, motion capture for people actually acting out these roles. And I thought it looked really good Mm -hmm. for starters. A lot of the times motion capture... Video game figures wind up looking somehow less human. And you're like, oh, God, what's wrong with them? That uncanny valley thing? Yeah, it's that uncanny valley thing. And you're like, oh, I don't like this at all. In Control, it actually looked really good, I think, because of the art direction of the game. So the characters looked really good. They sounded amazing because all of the actors and actresses managed to just bring their characters to life phenomenally well. Uh, And they wove together a really engaging story about the Bureau, about Jessie, about her brother, and about just what's going on. Yep. What is this place? Like the deep lore of the game is really where it's shown for me. Uh, and some people complain about it, but I think it's one of the best parts about it. There's a lot of stuff you can find in Control in terms of like paperwork mm-hmm. and voice files and video files and uh, Dr. Darling's videos. Yes. Those were so funny. I loved Dr. Darling's videos, one of the highlights of the game. Uh, So there's so much fun stuff that you can find and read and watch that just adds extra layers upon layers of depth of just depth to this game and i think it was done in such an amazing way that control is easily like a top game for me now Mm -hmm. Uh, so i think it's one of the best in its class for sure as far as action adventure games goes i don't play a lot of third-person shooters these days this is one of the only
0: yeah, honestly, I really very think few of. exceptions that I can think of you talking about, really.
1: Yeah, it's not it's not a common genre for me, uh, and and for me to have enjoyed it so very much, I think is a testament to how great Control is. Um, there are now two additional DLCs out for the game: uh, Alter AWE, Altered World Event, and the Foundation, which I think is actually the second one and the third one respectively. Excuse me, the Foundation was second. AWE is the third one. I got my numbers. Oh, there's first. only two. Yeah.
0: You're saying it's the third one?
1: Well, the third, like, just... Oh, third
0: iteration of the story. I gotcha, I gotcha, I gotcha. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Right. Sorry. Uh,
1: So, yeah. Uh, Anyways, Control. It's an amazing game. Everyone should play it. Uh, Remedy knocked it out of the park. And someday, maybe, with all the money they made from Control, they'll put Alan Wake out for more people to play, aside from just Xbox
0: 360 owners. (laughs) Someday. It'll come. It'll come true one day. You know. Yeah, let's hope everyone's dreams will be realized eventually. But no, control was outstanding as well. I like. I did have a lot of fun with it. The like you said, combat, the world building, top tier. It's some it's good stuff. Top shelf, top shelf. But my second pick for this game or for this list is the 2018 version of God of War.
1: I thought you were going to talk about this game. Yes. I, I was pretty sure it was going to make your list.
0: This game, you know, I was a big fan of the original God of War series and played through played through all three of those games and God of War: Ascension. But that's uh, like we talk about that in a different light. It's not as good. <laughs> but so ha- coming then with this new reinvention of the God of War series was. Honestly like it's like it's one of those things when you when you see like a reboot you see like people taking it a different direction and you're like man I hope they do this well they did it well Sony Santa Monica knocked it out of the park with God of War because they just totally spun the old formula on its head kept obviously like Kratos as the main character but you're in a new location you're no longer in ancient Greece you're in you know Norse mythology Norse Norse lands whatever that Scandinavia and stuff and so you're just going through this and it's this tale of Kratos taking his son to, uh, to just to spread the ashes of of Kratos' wife and his son Atreus' mother, and it's just a totally different Kratos. You you know he's no longer this uncontrollable rage machine that he is in the original three games, and he's more subdued. He's fighting against his past. You know he's trying to keep his demons at bay. But obviously, he's throughout a dad this
1: now, he's a dad.
0: you know, he's got to be that good example. and especially because he does want to be like, and that's a theme that is touched on a lot is he doesn't want Atreus to be like him and commit you his past You know, doesn't want him to commit his past mistakes as well because, and I believe, if I remember correctly, well, I don't want to get into too much of that stuff of, of for people who haven't played the game yet. but still, for taking Kratos and what what Kratos is, and they even you know they changed the voice actor form as well, uh, or the actor for him uh, to now be the uh, indomitable Christopher Judge, which we've talked about so many times on the show. Gosh, our, just our, our love our for Christopher, Christopher Judge,
1: man, what an incredible guy! Oh man,
0: gave us the incredible you know boy voice line yeah. all the time, made that so popular and everything, and it's just. it's just a great story but what's great about it is it does take a more emotional tone than the previous games did too again the past games you're just ripping and tearing like crazy through gods and through gods all over the place indiscriminately you do not care you're just mad because the gods tricked you they murdered and they made you murder your family and now you are just out for blood anytime you can but this one Again, it slows Kratos down, makes him more subdued, but then he gets pulled back into these old conflicts. It gets pulled into the into the world and the wars of the gods in this new area. And he's just still, although he's trying to fight his past and make a new life, he does have that internal struggle of combating against his old ways with his new ways. But... I just feel like too, the other big change is that the game is no longer more of a third. It is still third person, but it's not more of the isometric view of it like the older games yeah. is. It is more of the, you know, behind you're the behind the person, you know, the more open world feeling game to it because there is a lot more like exploration to this. You have so many different areas to discover uh lots of different collectibles and things to unlock uh that give you more of the background and the lore there are tons of boss fights like you get to fight the powerful valkyries which my god those are legitimately some of the hardest bosses you will ever fight in a video
1: game before i Uh, haven't even gone back to
0: finish them all yet i still need to but (laughs) because they are hard and the battles against them take forever because they require Every ounce of your gaming prowess to be able to defeat them. But, and that's just another part of this that's so great. The combat, oh, the combat is so good because it's just, you, it is also too a little bit more RPG esque in the sense that you do unlock things through the skill tree and you can upgrade your different weapons and. All that, but he even trades in his old Blades of Chaos for the Leviathan Axe, which is a different look for Kratos, but it's such a cool weapon to get to use. Com- and you combine that with his shield, and it's just that he gets to use atreus will help you in combat as well like if you're getting attacked he'll be shooting at you know his bow and arrow at the at everybody as well you get you still like have those moments where you do get to be the old kratos and just wreck shop and that's what it feels like every time you're fighting so they keep that feeling where you're just like i am a powerful being just destroying everyone who's in front of me but it also (laughs) for real but it also really it just humanizes Kratos more, and I feel like that just and it did it really well in a very, very, very emotional tale. It also gives you great characters like Mimir, who's this uh, character who is like being punished by Odin. He was like an advisor for Odin before, but then Odin gets mad at him, basically like binds his body to a tree where now he is trapped for basically forever. You wind up finding him mild. Spo- Story spoiler here, but you wind up finding Mamir, and the only way that you can use him to your advantage is you have to then cut off his head and then resuscitate, bring it back to life later. So he's just constantly just hanging off your belt, but he talks to you all the time. and And I think it's a really cool way, kind of like how you were talking with control has all the documents and the videos and audio logs for you to listen to. That's what Mimir provides, but it's all Poor about <laughs> this, you know, Norse mythology and everything in the background. So that's where you get the lore. So as you're exploring uh, Midgard and everything, you're just hearing all of these you know you're hearing all these stories about why odin is you know now being a more corrupted god and what you know where thor gets his power from who this god is who that god is you know and all this but not only does it give you these fights against the gods you also have great fights against fantastic beasts you know like trolls dragons and it's just a for taking the risk Of pulling a game at a very well established game and franchise out of its original setting, changing its character so much, and then presenting that to the world and being like, here you go. I just don't know. You know, it's like, it's that's a big risk to take. And I feel like Santa Monica, Sony Santa Monica just did it perfectly. Not to mention the one thing I've raved about this game before many, many, many times the soundtrack is insanely good because composer Bear McCreary not only pulled in a Authentic Icelandic choir to be able to sing in Old Norse. He also pulled in uh, Eivor, who is an incredible singer songwriter, and her voice just adds and elevates this score to just amazing levels so give this game a try if you have not already i think it is just a well worth the playthrough there's still more to it that i need to go back and complete i mean i finished the main story and all that stuff but there's still tons more exploration and stuff i could do for that one like i said before i still need to finish fighting all the valkyries but it's a hell of a good time so i i would highly recommend god of war if you have not played it yet
1: excellent choice
0: so now then That brings us to your number one. What is your number one favorite action adventure game from the previous generation?
1: So it may not be my favorite per se, but I had to talk about it because I think that what it did and how it did it was so fascinating Mm -hmm. and such a new, not not necessarily a brand new take on the genre, uh, but a new enough take for it to be really memorable and really interesting to play. Maybe this is the one where we'll have some overlap. Just maybe, maybe. It's gotta be Hellblade, Senua's sacrifice.
0: Oh, okay. Okay, Did okay. Did you
1: not think about Hellblade?
0: Let's just put it this way. It's coming up later. Oh, okay. <laughs> maybe another episode perchance. But maybe we'll, we'll, another episode. But no, okay. Hellblade, yeah. Yeah, no. Talk about this uh, yeah. outstanding game
1: had to talk about um hellblade uh i am actually blanking on the developer real quick it's ninja isn't it ninja Ninja studios ninja theory there we go uh hellblade senua's sacrifice some people say senua and some people say senua i i kind of go back and forth between the two so if you hear me using both it's just because my mouth can't decide (laughs) on what 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 words i want to use um so Hellblade into a Sacrifice. Again, I didn't realize that it actually is now this, air quotes, old. It came out in 2017. Uh-huh. I feel like this game came out last year.
0: Yeah, maybe because we played it. It was one of these we didn't yeah. play until later, but I don't think we played it till late 2018-ish. So, I yeah. think so
1: too, and my, mostly because we had both seen it talked about so very much. I think it was probably at the Game Awards, mm. and we were like, what is this game? Like, yeah. We really had no concept of it or what it was or why everybody was freaking out about it. And we clearly didn't care enough at the time to go and play it immediately. Which uh, But we did... Yeah. Yeah, it's not our fault. We 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 have to play a lot of games. You <laughs> it's guys, it's not our fault. Come on, there's a lot we of pressure lot to of do games. this. There's a lot of stuff happening. So what's interesting is if you actually like are looking at you know Google search Hellblade, uh, which of course I have to pull up for all the developer stuff because I forget these things. Um, it categorizes the genre as a hack and slash. Really? Which I find. Insulting. Very
0: curious
1: and like <laughs> wrong. <laughs> I think that that's just not correct.
0: I would not. I, I would not call this a hack and slash. Really,
1: I wouldn't either. I feel like it much more neatly fits into the general category of action
0: adventure. Mm-hmm.
1: Hack and slash. I
0: mean, sure, you're hacking and slashing with swords, but like you that's, do
1: that in every game. Kratos does that
0: exactly. <laughs> like I don't know. Like I like I would call the original God of Wars hack and slash. Because that yeah. is just like, you know, combo-based combat. You're just you're just mashing the buttons to just it's unleash just devastating attacks. But, Sinua, I didn't feel that way. Definitely not correct. Hmm. No. Okay. It, it, that's
1: definitely not right. I don't know who decided this Wikipedia. We're going go to go edit this
0: Wikipedia. Yeah, later. we're going to have
1: to edit this. That is just, <laughs> just blatantly wrong. So, Hellblade. Uh, if you've never played the game, I will try to be as brief about it as possible. Because the story is Draw mm-hmm. of Hellblade. Uh so I'm not gonna go into too many details, but um Hellblade features main character Senoa. So Senoa is from the Picked tribe, is that correct? Or the Picked people so. of Northern England?
0: Yes. <laughs> I kinda
1: forget in general.
0: It's been a while since I played.
1: Yeah, don't quote me on that. I kind of forget where it <laughs> takes place. Uh so, but the the point is um Senua and her people um they have some pretty interesting conflict within themselves about like religion and spirituality and it has very much shaped Senua as a person. But the game starts and you're playing Senua as she is literally entering the land of the dead so she is going into oh what is it called it you you definitely know this Helheim? because you yes hellheim there we go she's literally going to hell to try and retrieve uh basically the her her love the love of her life uh whose name dylan
0: did- didion no did I'll look while you're talking. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, we don't.
1: Uh, the point is, whoever he is, it doesn't matter. He's not important. But uh, Senua lost um, the love wish. Yes, she's a picked warrior from. Orkney. Here we go. I don't know where that is, but that's where she's from. Oh, Dillion. Okay, Okay, there we go. We were were both really close. It's um, D-I-L-L-I-O-N. Okay. So Senua is going into Helheim on a quest to save the soul of her dead lover, Dillion, from the goddess Hela, who I, I guess is like the queen of the dead or whatever in this case. So, the setup in and of itself is Fascinating, Because, you know, imagine Orpheus, like, going into the land of the dead to retrieve the soul of his lover, too. Mm-hmm. It's that same kind of feeling of, ooh, I know shit's going to go bad, definitely. Because right. nobody goes into the land of the dead and comes back out unscathed. But in what ways is it going to go bad? That's always the fun part. Mm-hmm. So uh, Senua is going into the land of the dead, and she is joined uh, by her inner audience i guess me do i just have a thing for women who talk to themselves (laughs) that's kind of kind of really hits in your key demographic yeah yeah it really does uh is joined by this cacophonous noise an audience of her own making the furies and the furies are basically just voices that she hears in her head um it very much is very heavily implied um, and, and probably just factual depending on how you want to argue it that Senua is, is fairly uh, mentally unstable perhaps mm. she's been through a lot she's been through a lot she's having some some times uh, and the Furies are kind of a reflection of her inner turmoil because they come around and this is we've we've mentioned this before if and when you play Hellblade wear your headphones yes plug those hell- headphones in make sure that everything in your room is dark and silent and good you game to play get, in the middle you, of the night it's great good game to play in the middle of the night great <laughs> game to play in October particularly mm-hmm. now's the time everybody get in there because the sound and audio quality of Hellblade is incredible. Uh, we've talked a lot before about how the actresses um, and the actress in the game helped make it such an audibly intriguing experience, you know, such a, such a cutting experience. Uh, but the Furies and how you hear them in your headphones is just so interesting because it really does feel like they're just coming from all directions, that they're circling you, that they're coming and going. Mm-hmm. And it's done in such a great way that you feel like you are Senua and you're like hearing these people in your own head uh, so the game follows Senua is that she's trying to navigate the different uh, levels of hell basically uh, the gameplay in and of itself is I guess, if you had to describe it this way, a little hack and slashy, but I actually felt like it had more depth to it than that. I don't know. When I hear the term hack and slash, I always feel like it's a button masher, basically. Yeah, same. Uh, And that's not how I felt with Hellblade. I felt like the combat was actually really artfully done. It was fairly, not not necessarily basic, but it wasn't overly complicated. right? You know, Senua has her sword. Mm -hmm. She has a sword, right? Yep. She's got her sword and she has this little mystical mirror that she keeps uh, kind of tied to her hip that does stuff. I don't know. I can't describe the stuff. It does some magic or whatever. It makes the combat interesting. Don't worry about it. It basically gives you like a... um, you know, like an ultimate ultimate move, like a time shifting sort of.
0: That's right. You can like unlock like uh, yeah. a powerful where it, like kind of slows the enemy time for exactly. you know, to be able to get yeah. big hits and bullet stuff. Time. That's right. That's yeah. The word I'm sword, sword time.
1: It. <laughs> yeah. it Puts you into bullet sword time. <laughs> uh, so the combat is just you know sort of you going up against these hell creatures and they are really interestingly designed. I love everything about the game design. Uh, the environment is really gross in a lot of places very spooky brutal looking very spooky there's skulls everywhere there's skulls and bones and dead stuff just all over the place what a fun time uh so you're going just through these not necessarily waves of enemies but you're navigating hell and fighting your way through just deeper and deeper and deeper to be able to get to you know presumably dillian and Mm -hmm. to be able to Bringing back to life? Question mark. Uh, and I really don't want to go too much more into the story than that because I feel like it just it, it it would be a disservice to the game to kind of give it all away if you haven't played it and you're planning to. Oh yeah. All you need to know about Hellblade is the story is phenomenal. The acting is even better than control. I would say the acting is just next level, amazing. Uh, Seno is played by Melina Jurgens, by the way. So Melina Jurgens, hell yes, she did an incredible job. Uh, and do you yeah, remember it, the
0: the backstory about her being cast? No, she was just she not just, but she's the video editor for Ninja Theory. Oh yeah, and that's they right. were like doing just screen tests in pre in early development and she stood in for for uh, Senua, and then they were like you're really good and so she like, got Never the role as so yes, they can the role over. to her and so uh, she so, did the role, she did the role of, of Sinua and then still like made like de- a development diary video series alongside that you can go watch yeah, the stuff. Of. So, what an incredible! I, I just experience. think that that's such a cool thing, you know.
1: So technically, Hellblade, Hellblade is considered an indie game. This was a small team that made this game, and I think that's part of why I I think of it as being such an accomplishment mm-hmm. because there are many games made by hundreds of people on a development team that aren't as good mm-hmm. that just aren't as good so it, when you look at a game like hellblade and go the things that you can accomplish with some imagination you just need a little bit more imagination to be able to get to these new heights of gaming and i feel like hellblade is such a good example of that it's okay we're a small studio but, you know we've got some money we, we finally got some investment money what are we going to make how about a Bonkers game where you play as a picked warrior woman whose love of her life has been killed by Norsemen warriors, and you're gonna go into hell and get him back. And also, you're probably a little unstable, uh, you know, up top, and you've got some furies with you. And we're we're not gonna really (laughs) talk about that right now. You figure it out. (laughs) So it's just it's such a fun game. Fun is kind of a relative word. I mean, it was a great time to play. Yeah, it's it's a good time in its own very special way yep. and the story is key to understanding that so i just i feel like control and hellblade are like the two games that i feel like i'm shouting into the void at, trying to get people to play them it's like i'm begging you yeah. <laughs> i'm just begging you to play these games just take my word for it you don't need to know all the details just play hellblade a sacrifice it was good enough to warrant a sequel and that sequel oh, is coming so out excited. eventually so, yeah, uh, absolutely play the game. Give them more money. They deserve it. God knows.
0: <laughs> well, they do. They got that Microsoft money now because they made Hellblade yeah. and, and Microsoft was like, hey, you guys make good stuff. You want to yeah. be ours? Cool. Here's yeah. Ninja our money. Theory
1: got acquired <laughs> for anybody
0: that doesn't know. So, yeah, uh, they got, yeah, the, they got like, that Microsoft uh, money now.
1: They got that that, that dough.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All right. Oh, yeah. Those are my picks.
0: <laughs> Boom. You know, what? I'm kind of surprised. Wait, wait, wait,
1: wait. Let me make my dumb joke. My okay. picks.
0: Uh, (laughs) It's not a good joke, it's a bad joke. Just like I'm not sorry. (laughs) You know what, I'm kind of honestly surprised that uh, Monster Hunter didn't make this list for you.
1: I thought about that. The thing is, Monster Hunter fell into the category of games that I didn't think qualified as an action-adventure or Mm. like as a general adventure. I put Monster Hunter into the category of RPG. Like that's a multiplayer online RPG game totally different nice uh i actually meant to say this in the beginning but when i think of the term adventure game or action adventure game my brain very much goes to single player experience so really none of the games that i thought of were multiplayer because i just don't really consider those to be the same genre mm-hmm. yeah, frankly I get that. I, that's probably not true but that's how my brain puzzles that puzzles it out no
0: that makes sense to me all right Well, my final game on this list—I
1: can't imagine what it's going to be. You've already talked about one that I thought of, and now I just—oh, God of War! Yeah, yeah, I I just don't know what the third one is. Give me a hint. You know, I love guessing.
0: (sighs) Okay, well, it's my number two favorite game of all time. Oh
1: crap, Jared! I don't (laughs) listen to you when you talk. (laughs) Dang it!
0: I um, have—they are on display. Oh, you can't see them very well.
1: But the Ooh, uh, blah, blah, blah. Oh, come on. I can do this. Red-haired Arrow Woman. Yes!
0: Horizon yeah. Zero Dawn. There we go! <laughs> I really the title. Horizon Zero Dawn is, oh, I man. think, tops my list out of the best action-adventure games of the last generation because it just really... It was a, one of those, you know. I know I kind of said like when I was talking about Star Wars Squadrons, it was this it's the Star Wars game I didn't know I needed. I didn't know this like futuristic but also Stone Age-ish world set where you're fighting giant robotic monsters while figuring out what caused the apocalypse of the old world it was the game I was looking for. But oh my god, did it hit all the right buttons for me? The game, the world was an incredibly alive one it felt you had no lack of things to explore no lack of activities to find and it never seemed repetitive like you would have different challenges that you could find you obviously had like some collectibles you could go search out but i never felt like okay i gotta go do this because i have to this kind of mission is what i have to do because i have to it just all felt and played together so well but uh horizon zero dawn came out in february 28th 2017 and it was developed by Guerrilla Games. Um, and it basically follows that you are Aloy, this uh, more of an outcast character who is raised by another outcast. She is part of the Nora tribe. And she is raised by Rost, this man who takes her in, trains her up in how to be like a warrior and just uh, – and with the eventual hope. But the whole question is she has no idea of her past. She doesn't know who her parents are. She doesn't know from where she came. All that she knows is she was discovered in this mountain by some village elders and then given to Rost. And so you grow as Aloy. And then this, this like threat starts happening. And then in this world, like I said, there are these machines that basically are the wildlife. They're still actual wildlife, like biological creatures, but there are also these machine versions of animals just run around and they are just have been there and always been there. And you're like, but where did they come from? But there are also these ruins of the old world that you can tell is the world that we live in today. And so then that poses the question of, well, what happened? And so you as Aloy, go off on that adventure to try to discover that. And I just think that story is so good. It provides so much mystery because you're in this new world that's also old because there's these remnants of the past, but Basically, the world got reset, so you're living as a fairly primitive lifestyle, but then also still having all of these technological advancements in some of your weaponry. There are these massive and machines running around. Yeah, there's
1: freaking robot dinosaurs. So, Who doesn't want robot dinosaurs? Right. That's the real question.
0: So it's this incredible blend of these two different styles of world that just really hit. Like when we were talking in our Hidden Gems, like I, our Hidden Gems episode, and I talked about Far Cry Primal. It being totally like a stone age thing. So it's like you took that and then just threw it with like some big futuristic game. And this is what you and this is what you came out with. And I just loved it. It just everything hit right. The combat was so good because it was in the combat was exciting whether you were fighting the machines or whether you were fighting a group of bandits, you know. And just learning about all these different machines, their weaknesses, their strengths, what type of weapon you could use to really cut them down quickly or whatever their type of weapons were going to give you a really hard time. And not only that, there was an, a great crafting system of finding different things to be able, you know, not only things that you could knock off of the robots that you could then take for later use. There were dungeon-esque sequences where you would have to go through these big, Oh, I cannot forges basically, I guess would be a good way of calling it or cauldrons. That's what they called them in the game. And you had to go through and basically it'd be like a dungeon run or a tomb raid kind of thing. So it pulled so many different things and did it in such a way that just was in a beautifully rendered world that I just loved. The story was really good too because it was this constant quest of questions. You're always wondering, you finish a mission and you're like, "Cool, I helped this group of people out. That's really cool, but I'm still trying to figure out who am I? You know, who is Aloy? Where is who is Aloy's beginnings?" And I just loved the mystery was kept up through the whole time when it did get near the end. I was definitely like, okay, I see. I think I have an idea where this is theories. going. Yeah. And then, but then when they were finally confirmed or, or proven untrue, I was like, Oh man. Okay. I really like how they did this. It didn't feel kitschy. It didn't feel like they were just throwing a lot of pre used tropes all over the place. It was really well crafted. But then I think what brings this all together completely is the story character of Aloy, who is who is acted by Ashley Birch. Who I love we love Ashley Birch. Like we, you know, Chloe Price from Life is Strange. Uh she's also in the the in a live action role actually in that Mythic Quest TV show that's on Apple Plus right now. And so she's just incredible. And but the thing is though, Aloy is just such a strong and well-written character character she knows what's right and doesn't waver in her stances she protects those who needs it and stands up to those who try to push her around and she's an incredibly skilled warrior she has compassion for her fellow man but she knows when to not give too much it's just incredible i just can't sing the praises of this game enough and when you tie all these different things together into such a wildly unique and creative package that the world of horizons and zero dawn gives you how do you not end up with a top notch game and that is what this game provides and you know now we're getting in right into this new sequel you know as long as there aren't serious delays or anything but we're going to be getting the sequel horizons forbidden west yes horizons forbidden west that will be coming out in uh, early next year so obviously like i can't wait for that
1: i really wish that they had called it Horizon Forbidden West, colon, yeehaw! <laughs> like, why not? Why not just go oh, on? Oh
0: man, that'd be really funny. Aloy goes west. An American <laughs> <Goes> tale. <west>. <laughs> <laughs> an American tale. <laughs> uh, Surprise, they were all mics. It's feyble! just didn't know. It's <laughs> oh man but no like i that was one again i platinum that game i could not leave the world i was it was one where it's like i need to finish the story because i need to know where this is going but i don't want to finish the story and it's two a lot of time like even with the Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor or even the Assassin's Creed games, you know they release the DLC and the expansions for them, and I I don't know. It's sometimes even if I love the base game, it's hard for me to go back to do to like jump back into the game later. Like uh, Assassin's Creed Origins, love that game. One of the best, you know, it, it's probably my oh. second favorite of the Assassin's Creed series. But like I haven't gone back to play the the expansions for them. I have them. I just haven't done it yet. But Horizon when they released the the uh, expansion for that oh yeah the frozen wilds i was there and i was playing it and i played through that too and so and it was outstanding as well a perfect additional add-on to the story and so i just it's just one of those games. You ask me about it, I'll be like, "All right, how much time do you have?" Because let's talk about it. So you know, it's and, it, and it's one too that's like I've entered. I've told people like, "Hey, go play this." Who hadn't played it yet? They play it I'm like, "Dude, it's a, it's amazing." I'm like, "Yes, it is." Thank you for your time. Like it's so, you know, it's just like it's it's just too good. And so I think Horizon Zero Dawn in in terms, again, it's not what I was. Thought I was looking for in a game, but oh my God, it is what what I wanted and what I needed. So yeah, Horizon Zero Dawn tops my list for sure. Very nice. But yeah, that pretty much wraps up our top three best action adventure games for the Xbox and PX. The, the px4 the, my yeah. favorite console <laughs> <laughs> the combo console the xbox one and the ps4 let us know what games top your list as well because we'd love to hear from you send us an email at teamchatpodcast@gmail.com, at gmail.com comment below on any on our social media join our discord and talk about it with us there but that wraps up this episode come back next week for another great gaming topic for another fun exciting i think we're maybe don't want to spoil it too much but maybe are we doing a review I don't know. I
1: think we might be doing some sort of review. Perhaps maybe even a seasonal review. Ooh,
0: maybe because it's spooky? (gasps) Maybe because it's a little spooky. Maybe because it's a little spooky, but you'll have to come back next week to find out. But until then, everybody, I am one of your hosts, Jerry Wilson, joined across the power of the internet by my co-host, Rachel Mogan. Fare thee well. We will see you all next week.